Diverse voices. Unique sound. Not the same old thing. Different, different. This is NOCO FM. How many of us can say that we know what our life's purpose is? How many of us can look back and say, wow, this was the golden thread through my life that gave my life meaning. And as I look back, now I can see that this is what I was always meant to do. On this episode of The Spark, I have with me Holly Woods, who has 30 plus years of coaching and consulting background in human and organizational development. She's an integral master coach, purpose guide, and professional mediator and facilitator and a mastery energy practitioner. She uses the stages of consciousness as a developmental practitioner and helps people find their purpose in the stages of their life. So join me on this episode as we deep dive into finding our purpose, finding what lights us up, and designing a life that takes us to the next level. Welcome to The Spark. I'm your host, Stephanie James. All this crazy stuff that's happening outside of us, it's like, it's not that it doesn't matter. Of course, it matters really deeply. And it's like we can be in the present moment yeah. and how incredibly healing and fortifying that can be. Yeah, yeah. I have a whole different perspective on all the, all of the goings on. It's, it's so perfect and so needed. And I, I'm actually really grateful. <laughs> I'm living in gratitude for it all, finally. You know, I've lived as an anti-racist activist my entire life. So thank God. I just keep saying thank God. Thank God. I just, I didn't know if it would ever really happen in my lifetime. It's finally here. Yeah, I I think this is part of what you and I were talking about last time because I've had that same experience and actually had some guilt at the beginning of the pandemic because there was like this sense of joy, not that the pandemic, of course, is happening. I mean, that's absolutely horrific. And at the same time going, oh, this is exactly what I knew was happening and what's going to happen, which was things had to get to this crisis point Mm -hmm. before this age of awareness and new consciousness, this new evolution in our species, if you will, comes into being. Yes. So you knew it too. Yeah, I've been waiting decades. So it's actually an exciting time of change. And as, as you know, we've talked about it, oftentimes things have to get to a crisis point and a pain point. Like our growth edge just never comfy. So all of a sudden here we are and things are busting out all over and that is what is going to cause the change. And like you, I have been anti-racist. I didn't know how to term that. And so I'm really thankful even now that that's becoming more common terminology. Mm, Yeah. See, I fought it very early in my own family, you know, father and grandparent, not my mother, but you know, I, I actually had to combat it at home and call out my entire family, which I did. So, you know, very early, like, <laughs> where it hurt the most. Like, no, you can't call them that. No, you can't treat them like that. No, you can't say those things at all. That's not okay. You must not do that. That is not okay. I mean, just my entire life as a, you know, little child, no, we will not tolerate that. So you already had this in you, you know, and I I always felt really blessed because my dad was an economics professor at CSU and he did an agricultural economics workshop in Kenya, Africa. So he would make trips there every year. And we always had the Kenyan exchange students in our home around our dinner table. Wow! So we had true Africans sitting around our table. And so I, I agree. I don't believe in the statement. I don't see color. And, and, you know, I really had to get clarity on that. But like, I never had that orientation. Like, like I didn't get it. Like in my soul, didn't get it that people were different based on their skin color. To me, that was like the most absurd thought ever. Yeah. And it really wasn't until a couple of years ago when I dated a black man who really brought to my consciousness, you know, he's someone who had spoke at the UN a couple of times. He really called me out on, yes, that's awesome that you had that upbringing and you still aren't aware of your white privilege. Mm-hmm. See, I, I guess I always was aware. I, I, I wasn't privileged as a child. I lived in a home that was not you know, affluent, and so grew up without 
as much as many of my peers. I would ride my bike to their houses and experience more affluent. And I honestly, I felt more comfortable. I grew up in a town that was half Latino and, you know, probably 10% black, though the town over was more black, African-American at that time. And I actually felt more comfortable in non-white settings because I could see the privilege that was being exhibited and it was uncomfortable to me because I saw how others who were actually more like me were being treated and it was very uncomfortable for me for some of my white friends to distinguish among us, you know, children our age and so I was always very aware, like I spoke about, of evolution that occurred in the pandemic. And then we're now ready to see what we've shown us. But before we couldn't see it. So, you know, the very real occurrence of having a pandemic where people are forced to be silent and still and go in and evolve because of all that discomfort caused this shift in stage of consciousness culturally, globally, we actually had an evolutionary shift for that several months. And then when George Floyd was murdered and there was a film that we could watch, then the world was ready to hear, oh my gosh, this is racism. I'm now awake to it because I can see it. Yeah. So it's a both and. It is, it is both that society has turned a blind eye to this for centuries and it is also that society globally wasn't ready to see it because we couldn't. The vast majority of humans did not have the capacity to see outside their own perspective. It is an evolutionary development. So not to make excuses for it or to pretend that it was okay or to justify in any way all of what happened because some bad people knew they were doing bad things. Many, 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 you know, millions. And... We've now reached a stage of development where we can see differently collectively. Yes. Now, you know, now it is accessible to many people. Absolutely. You know, and it was years ago that I had Mark Ben, who's a psychologist here at CSU and private practice a psychotherapist, who had done a TED Talk on understanding prejudice. And one of the things that really brought that home for me at the time that was awakening for me was that he said, you know, it's such basically bullshit, you know, when his term was, I can't smell it. It's like if we go into a room and there's something really rotten and it's really apparent, but we say, well, I can't smell it. It's like we don't notice it. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, sure. and so what really stuck out to me is this example that he gave about a, a friend of his who was a woman. And he said, when she and I are walking through a parking garage at night together, she's talking about her experience of what that's like alone. Right. Yep. And for him, and I both know that. <laughs> yeah, you and I both know that, right? And, and the threat how scary it feels that you've got your keys in your hand, you're checking around, making sure you're safe. And because he's a man, he never experienced that. So it was such an awakening to him to look through a woman's eyes and see what that would feel like to have that threat, to have that fear. Mm -hmm. And so that was so eye-opening to me that that's also what we're seeing now on, on such a much larger scale right. to bring us into that awareness. Yeah. Right. And, you know, doesn't matter whether the seeing through someone else's eyes is about gender or race or age or, you know, geographic distinction or whatever it is, you know, disableism. There are so many ways that we are unique and different that can't be experienced unless you have the internal capacity to see and sense another person and their experience. And that's not developed until we get to a particular stage in our consciousness where we can, you know, I recognize I have feelings and thoughts and so does the other person. And I can sense their feelings and thoughts. That is a stage of development or consciousness. And we haven't been there as a species Our our center of gravity was early. And so what happened is that we could, if the norms were that you treat all people equally, you learned that as a child because you lived in a place where that was the normative behavior. 
then you're like treating all people equally because I was told so, because that's the norm. And in places where there was less racism or less genderism or whatever, it's because my mom and dad told me my community accepted it. It was, it was the way we were. And then you grow into an understanding or a perspectival awareness that that's, oh, that's why I do that. Because I sense those people are just like me and I need to treat them like I would want to be treated. But in much of our world, you know, that hasn't been the cultural norm. So many people weren't taught that everybody's equal. Well, everybody isn't equal. Everybody is special in their own way, you know, but we treat each other with love and respect. And, and so we judge them as different. They're outside of our tribe. So tribalism is a stage of consciousness and it's in the concrete tier. And we learn from our family, our community, our tribe, that this is how we should behave and how we should see things. And if people are outside of our tribe, whether that's a different color skin or a different geography or a different social group or a different economic group, we view them as different and less than we are because they're not like us. And we have to grow in our stage of consciousness in order to see people and see that they too have wonderful, unique traits and characteristics that are as valuable or valued as my own. But that doesn't happen until later in the subtle tier, which is a long way away from where we've been as a collective humanity. So we have really just developed as a species to grasp the concepts of these distinctions as being unique and valued and respectful. And thus racism is finally surfacing as something that doesn't work for us as a humanity. And, you know, pretty soon we'll also see more gender equity will come online and every other discriminatory biased way of being, you know, should follow. Yeah. Hallelujah. Finally, we're going to be treating each other with kindness and love. But we haven't been there. And this pandemic, oddly, just made us all sit inside our place of our living, our homes, <laughs> and go deep inside about how uncomfortable it all is. And we had to do deep inquiry that caused us to evolve. What was so beautiful about it is, you know, like, I think we talked about this before when, you know, 9-11 happened. Yes, it was horrific and America was rocked and then people got over it. You know, it it made like a certain, yeah, it didn't last very long. There was a certain impact and then people got over it. And then when this happened, it's a global pandemic. It was like humanity around the globe. Everyone was experiencing and has been experiencing the same things for the first time. And so it was, I mean, talk about, the shift in consciousness, right. it, it had to be at that level where we could actually feel for one another because we're all in yes. this experience at the same time. And so talk about powerful, talk about exact divine timing so that we can evolve and we can start to come exactly where we're going to get rid of the gender inequality and we can start paying attention to ageism and how that has been rocking our world. And I I think about this beautiful transgender client I have that doesn't feel safe in the world. And so it's all of it. Like you said, it's all of it and how how we can come to this new level of conscious awareness. You've just had a really interesting life. It's been a long journey. Let's put it that way. I was forced to do the work, really, to stay on the planet. I had to do the work. I didn't have a choice. Well, let's, let's talk about that journey. You know, I say to my clients all the time, nobody gets out of childhood unscathed. Right. And I think nobody gets through this journey unscathed. I think, Holly, to look at you online, when I was looking at your picture online, you're beautiful, you're this great author. It's like, you could look at you and go, she's got everything together. And I think that's part of what the disease has been for us. Like we look at celebrities or we look at people that are successful and we think, 
they've got this charmed life instead of the reality, which is, oh my God, I have worked so hard and so deeply to get here and I'm continuing to evolve because I'm still alive. So yeah. I'm still on this journey. So can you, can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah. And you know, that's one of the reasons I wrote the book. I mean, I was told to write the book and, and I usually follow the guidance that comes in. So I, I did, but I know one of the reasons that I wrote the book was because, you know, if I can do it, anybody can do it because I certainly wasn't set up to have a purposeful, successful, you know, fulfilling life. That just wasn't the journey I had. And as I do, do describe in the book, there are a lot of my own stories. I was forced to put them in my publisher, maybe, but now more stories, probably more stories. But I had a, you know, fairly challenging early childhood and had to reconcile with not having, you know, most of us don't have adequate parenting and, and mine was very challenging and I had a lot of early wounding to overcome and was forced to do it early and long, you know, and not only started in my adolescence trying to figure out what in the world was going on in my life and in order to survive and stay on the planet, I continued to have to do it year after year, decade after decade, really. And I, to some extent, I believe that was, you know, this is my interpretation of it. It was my way of working out the challenges that I came into this life to resolve. And my soul created this opportunity for me to have these experiences in order to potentiate, in order to fulfill my obligation that I came to fulfill in this lifetime. So had I not had those experiences, I wouldn't have worked through the trauma and the karma, and I wouldn't have developed the capacities that I developed. I wouldn't have had the many, you know, hundreds of experiences that I had that I had to overcome and work through and resolve and figure out and create solutions and end up like on the other side of that, which was always, you know, another like, oh my gosh, look what just happened as I came through that. So, you know, overcoming hurdles is the best way to evolve. So I, I know that my path, while challenging, was also the only way I could get here. And I feel very blessed to have had the experiences I did. I'll be honest, my mother is not alive any longer. And I don't think I could have written the book had she been alive because so much of my experience was related to her and what I had to overcome. And I also have huge gratitude for her bringing me into this world and creating the opportunity that allowed me to push against what was limiting me. What do you feel like, Holly, was your biggest hurdle to overcome? The big picture of it, now that I know a little bit about my past lives and have released a lot of karma, I can see that much of my journey was intended to help me use my power in constructive ways. So I have done enough investigation about former lives that I know a bit about how I abused power and did some pretty atrocious things as a powerful being. And so much of my journey in this lifetime was about being silenced or squashed or threatened or made small. And so I became small. And so I had to find my way back to becoming more and more of myself over time. I often talk about purpose as our journey to become more and more of who we are and less of who we are not. So what was imposed upon me in this lifetime, which felt like perpetration and I became a victim, you know, I, I spent my time in victimhood, certainly. I had to find my way out of that and it was very painful. I suffered a lot in my first few decades. So I had to find my way, find my voice, find my power as a means of saying, all right, you want to squash me, you want to silence me, you want to make me small. I have to stand up to that and say, all right, what is here for me that I can use? How do I use this experience to become more of who I really am, to find my power and claim it and then move forward newly from that experience. And so that took several decades for me to figure out the methods <laughs> by which to do that. And I, you know, I didn't have a guide in all of this journey. I, you know, I, I started therapy in my 20s 
because that's what we had, right? We, and there's now so much. And I've studied, you know, hundreds of modalities trying to figure this out myself. And had lots of, you know, books actually weren't even available really till my 30s or so. So I think that's probably the biggest hurdle is I was being made small in order to find myself to, to live into my power. And I think that's true for a lot of us that uh, we're, we are put in circumstances and lifetimes in order to find our way out. Absolutely. I am really resonating with you on that and really feeling like there were times in my life where I had lost my voice. And even if my mother might disagree with me, because she always thought I was so confrontational. Um, <laughs> I think, that, you know, the, the truth was, though, it, it is, it's these really painful experiences during our life that cause us then, we, we have to dig deep and we come to that place where, yeah, we can either stay stuck in victimhood or something starts to break through. I think about like Elizabeth Lesser's book, Broken Open. And that, you know, we do, we get to the dark night of the soul or we get to these places where, it, what's our choice? Right. You know, our choices, we lay down, we cease to exist or we start breaking through and we start finding that voice and we start saying, yeah, no more. I'm, I'm going to claim know, and, my voice and my power. And, and in my case, you know, I don't, I don't know how unusual it is. I, I'm just say this in the book. Is I hear people talking about the dark night of their soul, and I'm like, oh, great, you had one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And because, yeah. you know, in, in my life, part of why I wanted to leave is that it just over and over and over, the trauma was endless, it seemed. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I look back, and I, not only was I resonating at that vibration like I was calling it in because that's where I was I was living as a traumatized being so I kept pulling it toward me but I also know that it I just had to keep I'm a very stubborn person as my father would say I had to keep experiencing it until I learned enough capacity that I could be something else was there a breakthrough moment or is there a breakthrough moment that stands out that really kind of encapsulates what that was for you, how you started to break through? You know, the, one of the most significant breakthrough moments, I was in second marriage and I was raising four kids and the marriage had not been good for quite a while. And in this process, I was fairly depressed and had developed a number of autoimmune disorders and not doing well in life, you could say. You know, it felt to me like I wasn't going to make it. And I was seeing an internist and I had literally 12 diagnosed disorders related to this uh, autoimmune condition. And he said, you know, Holly, there's nothing I can do for you. And I can send you to a pain clinic in Denver. And, you know, I'll, I'll help you in any way I can. And I literally remember sitting on the bench in the clinic with him looking at me and saying, I can't do this. I either have to choose to, to go now because I can't live this way, or I'm going to start seeking everything I possibly can. This is no holds barred. I'm going to find solutions because I'm not going to live on pain meds. You know, it just it wasn't going to be my life. So I began in that moment, I think that's when I became even more committed to my spiritual journey. I, you know, I took up like a serious meditation practice and I started really inquiring into lots of those kinds of modalities. I started doing alternative medicine. I mean, I was searching high and low for everything I could find to find another way than sort of the contemporary traditional ways to heal. And over time, over several years, I actually started turning my life around and becoming more conscious of the choices I was making that created the scenario that had caused not only the autoimmune disorder, but all the other suffering. And so I really started finding my way at that point. It was do or die, literally. Not that I haven't had trauma and things to deal with since. That was... I don't know, that was about a decade ago, I guess. And actually, I, you know, I don't have trauma now. I, it's, it's done. I can say it's done for the yes. last few years. Like, I don't, it's gone. Yes. <laughs> We're trying out of that. 
Hey, it's your boy Priest D, D for Daddy, aka Slim and Sexy, aka Double S C D, Slim Sexy, Celine Dion, or you can just call me PWT, Pretty White Teeth. This is your boy Dr. <laughs> IJ. What's up, everybody? This is your girl Tiff, and we are two dudes and a chick, and we are so excited to be part of this NoCo family. I'm excited, super excited. And so excited to welcome you guys into our conversation. Y'all can tune in every Sunday at 7 o'clock. Listen, learn, get some of this little... Make sure you say mountain time so the people know. Oh, yeah. 7 mount- o'clock, hey, mountain time. Yeah, we in Cali. We, we got that Pacific time. So turn in on mountain time, 7 o'clock. And um, enjoy us, man. Y'all going y'all gonna to really love us. Your support means the world to us. Hi. It's Dr. Natalie Phillips from Connecting a Better World. Everything we do here at NOCO FM is member-supported. From the music we play to our original podcasts and live shows, all of that costs money to produce, and we can't do it without you. Become a member today and invest in the programming you enjoy so we can create more together. Learn more at noco.fm. So let's talk about your book, The Golden Thread, Where to Find Purpose in the Stages of Your Life. And you said it was an inspired writing. Talk a little bit about what the book's about. Thank you for asking. And it was inspired because I was basically told to write it. (laughs) So I'm inspired because inspiration came through me. And so I had been obviously doing purpose work for a really long time. And it had evolved to a place where I was feeling very comfortable with its the effectiveness. I came up with this model and have been testing it on my clients for five plus years in a you know a fairly rigorous form as a scientist. And then I had also been studying stages of consciousness, which with Terry O'Fallon, one of my teachers, and stages of consciousness meaning that over time we gain capacity to see, to have a broader perspective. So as we were talking about earlier, you know, I I grew up as a child and I have a first person perspective. I only see myself. And over time as a child, I begin to see that I have skin and I have arms and legs and I feel things and I, I can sense things, you know, my eyes and my ears. And then when I become older child, I begin to have a second perspective and I, I know my parents and I see my siblings and I even have a few friends that I do play dates with. And, you know, that continues third and fourth perspective. As adults, we generally have third person perspective. Some adults go to fourth person perspective, very few make it to fifth person perspective. So I was fascinated by how purpose evolves over these stages or perspective taking. And the reason was because I was seeing in my clients a vast difference in how people's purpose showed up. And I wanted to understand that better. So I started mapping it out and looking at it. So this book is really a description of what purpose looks like in the different stages of life based on your perspective taking capacity and how to find where you are and how to then, you know, more fully amplify your purpose, whatever stage you're in. Because, you know, there's no better stage than another. They're all fine. They're all good doesn't matter if you're in the concrete or subtle or metaware tier where we are where we are and we each can live purposefully from that place so that was why i wrote the book and and i wanted to also demonstrate it through not only my life but my clients and some mentors and you know what it turned out is that it became this hugely transformative experience for me as i'm writing the book i'm writing things i didn't even know i knew so much of it was channeled and I'm actually learning about the topic as I'm writing and become become very aware that this you know this is an important body of work it's funny when I interviewed my clients for the book we ended up learning even more about their purpose it was kind of fun how that worked out what do you think the importance is of finding our purpose you know we hear about this all the time but if we have a life purpose somehow that makes our life richer or I guess I'm just curious what what is the importance of finding our purpose so you know we can live good lives 
without living purposefully if we grow up in environments that do tell us, you know, how to be a human being on the planet with kindness and respect and love. And, and that's fine. Those are, those are great lives. And, you know, even people who decide to, you know, build important things in the world, even if it's not purpose-driven, that's also fine. You know, I'm, I'm not, certainly not trying to diminish in any way people who are living good lives that haven't necessarily found their purpose. In, in my exploration, you know, I had two decades of personal development, spiritual development work in order to survive and stay on the planet. What I uncovered first through my experience and then through my children, which oddly, you know, they became also my case studies and, that, and then with clients over several decades, I learned that when we align with the truth of who we really are, when we really begin to find out, oh, this is me, this is my authentic version of me, and I come to express myself in ways that I'm actually offering my greatest contribution, there's two things that happen. One, of, one is that I become, I become inspired when I am on purpose. When I'm aligning with my truest self, I, I am really a, like a portal for source energy. I, you know, I'm inspired by God. And that, inner, you know, whatever your beliefs are, I become a, a channel for the information from the quantum field. And it flows, it flows through me. And that power comes through my heart and I become a portal of love. And so everything that I deliver is so much more powerful. And the second piece is that it makes a greater contribution both to myself and to the world. So we are deliverers of, you know, our gift. We are the only ones who are here to deliver that particular nuance, one-of-a-kind gift that I came to express. There's nobody else that can do what I do or you do because we are unique beings with the particular soul expression. So when we don't find that, we often live some version of that, but it's not so articulated or amplified. So one of the facets of my purpose is to speak powerful truth. And I've been doing that since I was a child. I, I learned at a pretty early stage that I actually, at times before I got completely shut down, I had to stand up for myself and, and say, no, you cannot do that to me. That hurts. That doesn't work for me. And I was that child who stood up to my mother at a very early age. But because it happened so frequently to me, I became angry and I had a lot of resentment and that turned into, you know, there was some revenge or retribution in there. And I, I didn't learn to use that facet of my purpose well until I had healed some parts of me. And then I'm like, oh, that's actually not very productive. Is it to speak powerful truths and harm other people? So I had to learn to use that facet of my purpose wisely and with love and compassion. So if I'm not aware of my purpose and facets of my purpose, I'm using those things in ways that are not so contributory. They're not so productive in the world. So how, how does the golden thread... Or how do these golden threads play into that? So my belief, my, you know, Holly's cosmology is that we, our souls come to the earth with an acknowledgement of what it is we're here to deliver. We have this fundamental facets of our soul that we came to express. And then we are put into these wombs and we are nurtured and then we're born and then we have this amniotic amnesia. So we forget everything that our soul designed for us in this lifetime. And we're born in like we've forgotten who we are. And yet the soul knows it's trying to express itself from day one. So at very early ages, we're curious about and we're inspired by and we're intrigued and we want to read about or learn about or we play with these little things as children. And that is true for our entire lives. So what I begin to see not only in my own life and in the lives of my children, my clients is there are patterns that you can follow throughout life that are your through line or your golden thread. 
So they repeat in every phase of our life, these patterns, yet they look different because a child is going to be expressing that pattern differently than an adolescent or an adult or a middle-aged adult or an elder. So that's why I study the cross the stages of consciousness, like, oh, I see that the thread lives in us, this purposeful thread lives in us our whole life, and it's our soul is attempting to express itself uniquely, yet it looks different across the stages. So I wanted to understand that so I could help people see it and different, you know, depending on how old they are, what they're experiencing. So often with my clients, I'm helping them tell their life stories so we can pull out this thread and find it and say, ah, this is your thread. This is why you've come. This is how you, you know, have been attempting to express your soul purpose your entire life. And they're like, oh my gosh, you're right. Every part of my life, I've been trying to do that. But they couldn't see it because it's hidden across the stages of our life. And it's also hidden behind the wounding. So like me, my speaking powerful truth was hidden way below, you know, my, my suffering. So I had to work through the suffering and then it emerged uniquely and differently. Well, and then I think one of the things that you and I talked about before was the importance of each one of these golden, I can't talk, the importance of each one of these golden threads that then becomes this beautiful tapestry of humanity where each thread is important. Each thread is essential. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I started talking about the tapestry long before I even knew there was a golden thread. I just knew that you know, humanity is a tapestry and it's rich and it's varied and it's nuanced and it's textured. And I literally can see this tapestry that's multicolored and multi-hued and has all these varieties of threads and, you know, some are thick and some are thin and it's just so vibrant and alive and it's actually moving. I see this moving tapestry and each of us is a thread in that tapestry but we're only a thread if we're fully living our purposeful lives. And when any one of us is not living that life, we're missing from the tapestry. And so when you think about how we've been as humanity in this, you know, potentially vital, vibrant, alive, strong tapestry, we're missing lots of threads because so many people are not living into their potential. And when you think about why we've been experiencing the lives we've been living, you know, here on, on planet Earth, that's why. So many of us are not really aligned with who we really are. And the beauty of this entire experience the last few months collectively is that we're starting to wake up and say, oh, maybe I do care who I am. Maybe I do care who you are. And let's find ourselves together. Let's be in this journey and become more of ourselves more fully. One of the beautiful things that I've witnessed is even though here's this pandemic going on, people that are seeing each other walking down the street, even if they have a mask on, it's like they're making eye contact, they're waving. There's really this sense of like, hey, we're in this together and we need each other. You know, yeah. just having that sense of connection is so cool. It's so cool watching that emerge. And so I hear what you're saying with this greater awareness of like, yeah, we're all important parts of this. And to start acknowledging, I think for ourselves too, we are important parts. We've got an important part to play. And so we need to step up and be a part of this tapestry. Yeah, I, I mean, nobody, nobody else on the planet has your unique one-of-a-kind thread. There isn't another soul on this planet that came to do what you're going to do. So it's not only a right to be yourself and a gift to be yourself, it's actually also your responsibility to live into the soul expression that you came here to live. I mean, why would you have come to the planet otherwise just to take up air and space? I just think that each one of our human lives, if you believe reincarnation, each one of them is really designed to move us along the continuum of becoming more and more awake and capable of contributing. And, you know, what a 
beautiful virtuous cycle to imagine that I'm really fully here in this lifetime and I'm going to be my best in order to make that contribution to make this a better place. Talk about empowering. When I'm hearing you say that, it's like we can really realize that we do have this inner personal power to truly contribute and that it matters. Yes. It truly matters that we step up and step into that point of power. You know, and when I hear you say that, I reflect that my way of being in the world is that I own my power. I'm going to use it to the best of my ability to make a difference on the planet and to contribute and to be of service and to love as best I can every day that I am able. And that has actually always been a part of my internal operating system. Even when I was suffering deep down, I really wanted to be that way, even though Lord, some days I just could hardly get out of bed. The depression was so significant. And people look at me and say, well, yeah, but that's you and that's not everybody. And I also believe that if we had a belief system that said, you know, it actually is you and you actually are capable of having this rich life that makes a difference. And I see the uniqueness in you and you are so different and you have capacities that no one else has. And I would value you living into your greatest expression, whatever that is, as best you can. I think it would make a difference for each of us to realize, okay, well, I may not be a celebrity or a millionaire or whatever someone else's version of success is, but I'm going to do the best I can to live the best life that I am capable of in this lifetime, however that looks. Right. And again, each person's going to have their unique gifts to bring. So it's not just the celebrity or the sports right. hero. That's, that's each one of us. It has nothing to do with it, in fact. Yeah, it has <laughs> nothing to do with it. It's literally that we have a unique contribution to bring. Right. I think one important thing to note here is that sometimes people get confused when they hear the term power. Yes. And, yes. and so that they think somehow it's power over someone or that it's like this aggressive power. And what we're talking about has nothing to do with power over anyone else. It's recognizing the power within yourself or the, the influence within yourself to make positive change and positive difference in the world by speaking your truth, by showing up as your authentic self, and then bringing the best version of yourself to the world. I mean, that's what power is about. It's, it's literally not about influencing other people or making people think or feel any other way. It's like, how can I contribute? How can I show up in this way that I am bringing healing, that I am helping humanity to evolve, to raise consciousness and awareness in my own unique way? And sometimes, truly, I think about that, Holly, and I think about sometimes the person that's really raising consciousness or awareness is one of the homeless people that I see when I'm in Old Town. I mean, that's not a purpose for every person on the planet. And I, I actually have an, an even more nuanced version of power. And it's, it has to do with truly being in alignment. And, you know, there are a lot of people who do work with flow and have studied flow. And, you know, flow is one of those words like purpose that are used in our society without a real definition. And so how I know purpose, and I know it because I experience it energetically, is that when we are truly aligned with our purpose being the most authentic expression of who I am, and I am living into that expression, the power, what I call the power of the cosmos or the quantum field begins to flow through me such that every action I take is as if I am the quantum field, or God. We hear, we, we have God within us. Well, that's what it looks like when you're aligned with your truest self. You are a part of the field, the quantum field, and it is flowing through you, and your actions and your decisions and your way of being in the world is nothing but the power. And I see the impulse, of what I call the impulse of cosmos, is love. 
So that powerful expression is love. Yes. So we are love. We are not, like you said, we're not power over the, the patriarchal version of power. We are love when we are our power, most powerful selves. That's all there is. There is no deviation from love when you are on purpose because you are here to express your most sincere, authentic self, and that is always to give your greatest gift. That's all purpose is, is, is living in the most authentic version of you that is expressing your greatest gifts on the planet to serve yourself and others. That's all purpose is. It's not more complex than that. Yeah. You know, and it looks different in the different stages of your life. And so why wouldn't we want to be that? <laughs> and, and as you're talking about that, you know, what came to me is this whole thing of like, so much of our lives, it seems like we're just thriving and driving and, you know, reaching so hard to either be acknowledged or truly just to be loved. To, to, we feel like we have to earn love right. instead of finally getting to that realization that we are love. Right. That love yes. is us, right? Yes. And that we are that expression of the divine in the world as we start doing the healing, as we let the divine flow through us, that we don't have to earn anything. We can just be that. Yes. And being that by taking action, I just want to really distinguish some people, especially spiritual communities talk about oh, I'm just going to be and I'm not going to do. And then there is an implicit interpretation that I don't have to take action. So really it's about taking action from an alignment with self, which is beingness or becomingness. So it is about taking action in the world to offer your gift or your contribution rather than you know sitting on a meditation cushion or in a church pew, whatever your, your form of beingness is so that I am serving myself and others with my gifts. And knowing that there's a purpose in that, I mean, we know that prayer and meditation contributes to that collective and that that is important mm -hmm. and it's not enough. Yes, it is not enough actually just to meditate and pray. While that is a beautiful contribution, it isn't what your purpose is. That's a significant offering of self in order to be at a level of consciousness that is available to the collective, but that's not purpose. You know, when I ask people sometimes, so what's your purpose? Oh, I'm just here to serve. It's like, well, great. However, that is not your nuanced one of a kind expression. You know, all of us can be here to serve, but what I'm looking for is what is the unique way that you are meant to serve here on the planet. So we can find that for you, that it's not just service to others, it's service to self. Mm -hmm. So when you're living this divine expression of purpose, you are also the most happy and joyful and alive and vibrant and glorious dynamic beingness that you've ever been because with that impulse coming through you and you're in flow, it's like, Woohoo! Why wouldn't you want to live that? <laughs> you know, so it's not just about the doing to others and serving and giving endlessly and the martyr. If I'm not careful, I can sound like a martyr at times when I'm not sharing the whole equation, just half of it. It's also about, man, I am having so much fun. After I published the book in April and Immediately, my world started exploding around me like, oh, I guess this was a good idea to publish a book in the middle of a pandemic because people really want to understand purpose. And so, like, you know, my world exploded and I started feeling the suffering again. Oh, it's too much. And then blah, 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 you know, my story. And like, wait a minute, Holly, <laughs> you're living on purpose. This is, this is God speaking through you. And the divine was moving through me, causing things to happen. It's like, okay, I just need to recalibrate and work in a different level and find a new way to express and let this come through me. And it's all going to be managed just fine. So I had to allow this new expression to come through and to be a different kind of vessel 
that could hold that level of energy because that's literally what I've been waiting for my whole life. Here it is. Amazing. And, oh, it means I just have to accommodate something else now. And so I had to recalibrate to, to find the joy again in a new way. And, and so that too is part of purpose is that there's always another expression that's waiting to be birthed through us if we are open to that. So to continue that process, to continue to open up, knowing that even when you do realize your purpose and do realize your gifts, they continue to expand. Absolutely. So, you know, as we've discussed, I've had (laughs) many expressions of purpose and literally just began my 24th expression because I'm so open to the flow of, you know, the quantum field coming through me and saying, oh, here is the next expression that I get to experience. And, and I get to, to lean into that one, which means that I get to stretch. And there's again and again and again, I experience the discomfort of, oh, it's pulling me and it's nudging me and it's stretching me in ways that I'm not necessarily comfortable with yet. But look, I'm going to be there and allow this to happen. And sure enough, boom, as soon as I do, I stretch to to allow that new expression to occur. Somebody asked me a question yesterday about, so what happens if you've been living a purposeful life, but now you're bored? And it's like, usually that happens because the next expression is wanting to be birthed. And maybe you just haven't been paying attention to what's showing up because it always does. And so just look for, you know, what's next? What is here for me that will be an even grander version of me expressing myself? It's like that agitation when we talk about, you know, the grain of sand in the clam. It's that agitation that then forms the pearl. It forms something yes. beautiful. And so, it, it, again, our growth edge is never comfortable. And so when we notice that sense of something feeling uncomfortable and we notice that sense like your client had of being bored, to maybe go a little bit deeper and start realizing, yeah, this is the fodder that's calling you into the next expression, into your next evolution. Yeah, I had a client today who um, has been an artist most of her life. It's, It's where she's found most of her joy of expression, but she wasn't clear about her purpose and we gained clarity in helping her live into, you know, a a greater version of herself. And she somehow (laughs) felt obliged to keep doing art because she's doing this work with me and she came today she's like you know holly i have a different experience i want to do something else i'm like great (laughs) tell me like don't hold it back what is alive in you and she's like oh well i thought purpose was about continuing to do my artwork it's like no you can have many expressions of purpose in life and really it's about what are the fundamental facets of your being that want to be expressed in new ways and she was so excited. <laughs> I wasn't going to be disappointed in her. It's so great. And, and one of my biggest inspirations I have to share with you in all of this has been my pops and his journey in his own career field. It's like he started out as a PE coach at an elementary school. And then his next expression was he was CSU women's track coach for five years And then he went into high school and he was teaching religion classes and civics. And then he ended his career as an administrator. But as he went through these different phases, each one was so passionate for him. And he just grew and touched all these people's lives. And what is so beautiful, and it almost makes me want to cry when I think about it, is when he retired, this is about five years ago, It was the most beautiful, beautiful celebration. And they set up a scholarship at his high school that continues still in his name because he made such an impact because he cared so deeply. And and he just speaks about that evolution that he went through. It's such a beautiful model as his daughter to be able to look at that and say, yeah, I don't have to stay stuck. And that was something cool all through my life that he would encourage me like, okay, okay, stuff. What's next? Yeah, What's next? What a, what a great inspiration that must have been. How wonderful. 
such a gift. And again, like you said, stretching us sometimes to where it's uncomfortable. Like, I'm just going to stay right here. This feels really good. Well, and, and, you know, on behalf of most people probably listening, we are often forced to stay stuck or, you know, people want us to stay stuck because we have an identity that works for them. And if we grow, then it causes intimidation with other people. So when we want to outgrow, when we've outgrown our context of our childhood and our peer group and our community or our tribe, and we want to become something else, often that's a very difficult transition because we live in these contexts that say, no, this is who you are and who you think you are, that you want to become something else. So unless we can actually come out of that context and individuate, which is a psychotherapeutic term, we individuate and recognize that, no, my identity is actually becoming something else. And I'm going to claim that new something that I recognize in myself in order to become more, more authentic expression of me. And that's very painful for many people in our society. You know, you can, you can say that much of the discrimination that has occurred in humanity is because we were forced to say, no, this is who we are. And this is what we do. And we don't associate with those people. And and they're different from us. And we've been forced to now say, no, that actually doesn't work. I love what you're saying, though. I love this sharing. I could continue this conversation for the next five hours. I'm, I'm really sure of it. It's been such a delight to connect with you. And I want to make sure people know where they can get your book and can get a hold of you. Right now, because the world has been shut down, the book isn't really available in bookstores. And hopefully it will be soon this summer. But online retailers, Amazon and Barnes and Noble, have the book. It's The Golden Thread, Where to Find Purpose in the Stages of Your Life. And you can reach me at hollywoodscoaching.com, my website. There's a free download that is a roadmap from purpose to impact. That's the model I use for working with my clients. I will be offering an online course, hybrid, partly pre-record and partly in-person later this summer. And if you're interested in that, you know, go ahead and sign up on my website to receive information. I do coaching and mentoring. I do business consulting. I work with companies to help them create products and systems aligned with purpose. So what is the essential message, Holly, that, that you want to leave with people tonight? What do you want our listeners to know? We each have a unique one-of-a-kind purpose that is not that hard to find. In fact, the book, you know, walks you through some steps that will help you uncover yours and that it is possible to find it. It's not for certain kinds of people. Everybody has one and everybody can find it and, or rediscover it really because it's there. It's just we don't see it plainly and that it's accessible and your personal life and the world around you will benefit by you living more aligned with who you really are. I think the message that Holly really brought through is that we are each this important thread in the tapestry of humanity. And it's so important that we live this purposeful life because when we're living that life, then we truly are adding to making the tapestry so beautiful. We're sharing our gifts and we can each contribute our unique gift. You have that one of a kind gift that nobody else has. I think it's important to realize even though we all are what we could call the ocean of humanity, we are all important drops of water in that ocean. We all are essential in making that ocean thrive and really come alive. I also love the idea of living into being the most authentic expression of who we are. That means that we do the work so that we can clear out our egos, that we continue to do the work, whether it's through meditation, whether it's through really things like eating right, exercise, doing things that help continue to heal us so that all of us can become as clear of conduits for love and light into this world, knowing that our own healing makes a difference. And the more authentic that we are, the more true we are to who we are in our hearts, then we really are able to bring those gifts through. And there's always a new form of us, of this authenticity waiting to express itself, to flow through us if we're open to that. 
So I just love that no matter how aware you are, no matter how evolved you are, we can continue to grow, we can continue to deepen, and we can continue to bring our own unique self. It's like really getting in touch with the joy and the light of who you are inside. You know, transcending our personalities, transcending our egos. When we get to the essence of who we really are, we really are all light. We really are all love. So this journey into what we really want to see in the world, this healing, this joy, this acceptance, it all starts with you. It starts within each one of us to look inside and see our worthiness, to see our light and find what is our purpose and how we can contribute to the greater whole. And this is how we make our world a beautiful place. This has been a production of NOCO FM.